fifth time. Mm. Man, y'all know the face, y'all know the name. Talk to me nice, don't talk to me at all. You're tuned into the world's greatest podcast. I've been saying this about five to eight episodes now. I think by the tenth, y'all really gonna believe me though. Not gonna cap, I really do. Um, right now I'm in the Bronx. Shout out to the boogie down, man. I like the Bronx. It's real pleasant out here in these streets, and um, it's been a long week. Like I said, I'm still kind of recovering from a death of a close friend of mine named Dante Heath. So uh, every episode, I just try to put the rest in peace. And we go celebrate him and commemorate him in the way I feel like it's best. Um, And that's why living out his truth the way he'd want us to live it out. So with that being said, I got a special guest on this podcast. This is not going to be a regular guest, man, because... He and himself is very special to me. I've known this man for years, and I've probably seen a lot of the progressions, if not up close and personal. I've seen it during its times, during the seasons. I guess that's the best way, but during the seasons, I'll let him introduce himself. Mm, appreciate that. My name is Bengali Dumbia, born and raised in the Bronx, um, immigrant parents. I work in education. Youth development. Um, my motto is teaching young kings and queens to prosper. Uh, just is. I mean, I've known Cletus since undergrad of college. Man, I watch you get your master's degree. Um, the bow ties. <laughs> you made your mark. You know, you came. You, you one of the first people I saw. Like what it was to brand yourself. Like. Without even knowing what branding is. Like, you know, you, you, you made yourself known for that. Like, when a bow tie was being talked about, you couldn't help but think of Cletus. Like, where is he? Is he, is he coming? Is he on his way? So, but yeah, like, um, I studied political science back in college. I did my own thug dizzle. <laughs> Throwing my events and, and, and being on campus, getting involved. And now I'm back home. I'm back home to the family. Man, I don't think people understand who you really are. I remember BG. The first time I ever met you was at the FSA fashion show downtown when Bio was modeling. And he was like, yo, go with my guy Gali and all of them. They'll, they'll make sure you are all right because I got to go earlier. This is the first time I ever came to Buff State. And I was just like, yo, Buff State was a completely different world from you because at that time, I'm like, man, college ain't is lit. But it ain't all that. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. I came to Buff State. <laughs> BG was up there. Energy, vibes, just good quality people. And then after that, we got together from for Dream Chasers when we were throwing parties together. Mm. I'm ever. glad we gave you the hospitality was there. What you mean? The hospitality, Buff State hospitality, you know? Oh, but of course. Like, um, I'm glad we could give that energy up because I believe in, um, you know, family is everything. Mm-hmm. How we treat people. It's how we should want to be treated. Agreed. So when I see an individual like um, like a bio who tells me, "Yo, take care of my uh, my my boy, my cousin, my brother," I'm like, "All right, cool. Then he's our brother too. That's a fact. He blood just like us too. So we gonna we gonna give him a little drink. We gonna get some food. We gonna get some <laughs> union food up in here. So it's all about hospitality at the end of the day. That's where we come from." And I think that's definitely something that I think Buff State needs to definitely brand more of is the hospitality. Because real talk, you could be from anywhere, everywhere, somewhere, somehow you go find a place to call home yeah, within that space. It's the individuals too, you know. 
I think a lot of time we get older and um we were we were hospitable. We were people that we gave hospitality towards people, but we may not have molded those under us to be mm. to have hosp- um hospitality. Like our parents from where I come from taught me the importance of making sure there was enough water in the house for people, there was enough food for anybody that come through and even through in going through certain moments where your family lacked. People never knew you lacked, you mm-hmm. know, because your level of hospitality was always there. So when I meet a guy like you in college or any of my friends, it's like, yo, did you eat? You good? Like, those are the main human things that we need. Because if I could feed you or guide you towards where's the food or the water, I have a friend in you for the rest of my life. Because you're never going to forget the days you were starving. Mm. You never forget the days you were starving. That's a fun. <laughs> and uh, I've been I've been quoting saying Kuti a lot. He's like the, the there's like there's a privilege in being in in these westernized places. Like people don't really understand what real poverty looks like or feels like. Like real poverty and real being really truly starving is not the idea of not knowing not knowing what time you're going to eat. But knowing but trying to figure out where you even where where the food may even come from. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like, okay, yeah, you hungry because you didn't eat breakfast today. You missed lunch today. That's why you're hungry. But for there's some people that don't even know when next breakfast may come. You know what I'm saying? And, so um, That's a real thing. Going to Africa this summer, I saw that, you know. I was out there for two weeks, and my family, we fortunate to have it, you know. Mm-hmm. But you look at others around you who... There's no concept of a savings account or a 401k or an IRA Roth or whatever, all that stuff, or a loan from a bank. There's no concept of that heavy in our country, in our continent. You know, our bank system is not as rich as we would, as it should be, right? And um, I just saw some people over there suffering, just going through it, just... Every day was a fight. Every day was a battle, you know, like giving um, mil francs, like a thousand of our money to somebody, it w- they start crying because you don't know how long that money could stretch. And that's like, what, like a dollar over here? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know how how much that money could stretch or giving ice to somebody or telling somebody, yo, come over here, come to my house and eat. You don't even know if they had eaten for like two, three days. You know, so it just keeps you real humble, real grounded to see that poverty is everywhere in the world. But poverty outside of Western um, society is disgusting. It's like you start to see the disparities. Poverty in Western world, you really got to study it. You really got to study and understand how did these people get poor? Why are these people still poor? Poverty outside the United States or in Western world, you don't have to study it. You see it. You see what the what the what the issue is. Mm-hmm. You see the corrupt government. You see the corrupt officials. You see where the money is going, and it's not going in into um, infrastructure or the things that really matter. Yeah. So it's like it, it's there. It's real, son. Like even when I lived in them shelters growing up, I'm like, yo. And that's a great way to segue because I um I think I know your story because I've heard it time and time again. 
Um, we have not, I want to say similar, but the struggle is definitely real within our own spaces. First things first, where are you from? I don't know, you said, I know you said the Bronx, but where, what country are you from in Africa? And what was your earlier life like? Um, I'm from the Bronx, right? I was born in um, 149th Street, um, Lincoln Hospital. Born there, and my parents are from Ivory Coast. It's a um, it's a country in West Africa, next to Ghana and Nigeria. It's all neighboring neighboring countries. Brief history: We're represented by the elephants. In the in the sixties, we were prominent in Cafe and Cacao. Our first president was um, Ufil Banyi. Spent thirty six years in power. Crazy. We're only on our fifth president. Um, colonized by the French, so I do speak French as a second language. Born and raised out here in the Bronx, parents were together. Next thing you know, after a while, they divorced, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think I was entering high school when they first divorced. And then after they divorced, I mean, prior to that, I had all the J's, all the good birthday parties going out. There were certain abusive um, tendencies from both parties that I saw growing up, but it wasn't all my life, you know, at the time. The earlier parts of my life, it was good. I saw my parents being good, but, you know, as you grow older, you start to understand two people. Sometimes when the misunderstanding happens, it clashes, right? But when you allow people into them, your relationships, you see, you see. Your sacred spaces it destroys, and I, I started to really fully understand that. Um, I'm 26 years old. I started to fully understand that towards my late 24s when I started to deal with, you know, personal relationships with people and seeing like, oh, it's not. Oh, did my parents go through? Ah, uh, uh, like I'm having these moments now, right? Where I'm going back and I'm reflecting. I'm constantly in reflection mode. Mm-hmm. If you see me in go mode, that's because I've been reflecting probably for the majority of the time. Before I even hit go mode. So I see that. Um, then after my parents divorced, you know, Mom Dukes couldn't really afford to say I'm going to stay in an apartment with four kids. So she went, she took the advice of some of her friends to go into the shelter system. We went into the shelter system. I was in the shelter system for like five years, right? Hmm. So like, it's, it was, uh, it was survival of the fittest. So you saying five years, like that's like five years of like school life, everything, but you knew that's where you're going. Yeah, to shelter. What was that like? I, mean, I remember the first night, <laughs> the first night uh, when we went, the evening, I remember it was an uncle of ours. He dropped us off there. You got to go through metal detectors to get in. And you over there with all these people around you where like, I'm not saying you ever better than anybody, but you know you better than You don't deserve people. to like, be here with them. Yeah, and um, you hear, you hear trailer one, trailer two, trailer three, like, because that's what they're calling you for all your paperwork and stuff. Oh, you need to come to trailer one, you need to come to trailer two. Thank God my mother was a nurse at the time and she know how to read and write. So a lot of things was running smooth. And then that first night, if they can't put you in a space, this this is hard. I didn't even know this was this hard. Go through it. Um, if you didn't, if they couldn't find a location for you to put you in, because she was adamant about being in the Bronx, because she knew her kids would go to school in the Bronx. So we went to we went um to Queens. They took the buses took us to Queens to sleep for that one night, and then we come back to the shelter so they could place you. 
got on the buses. You know, we all trying to stay optimistic, you know, positive, be tight-knit like a family. As I'm telling you this, I'm starting to realize why I'm so close to my family now. And um, we go, it's just my mother, she's a clean lady. She had her rags, her soap for us. So you go, your turn, your turn, your turn. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, damn, son. It's like, yo, Mon Duke's really been, she sacrificed a lot for us. And then um, we got placed into our first shelter. It was on Miriam Avenue in the Bronx. Um, we lived there for a few months. Mom Dukes ain't really like it. When we first got there, that's why I'm so big on vision. When we first got to the apartment, it looked so trash. But by the time we left, even when the people came to visit to come check if it was good, it was so clean. It was home. It was home for us. So that's why I'm so used to living in small spaces. Because I've always lived in small spaces. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I never had to occupy anything huge. Mm-hmm. And... uh. <laughs> We went from Miriam, she didn't really like the environment. That's when I started, I picked the boxing and track because I knew what was going on in my surroundings as a teenager, mm-hmm. as a young black man. I knew I didn't want to get caught up in the streets, so I needed the discipline. I needed something that, and nobody told me to do this. I did this shit by myself. You, Because you wanted to survive. You knew yeah. that it, it was an innate feeling for you because you are like, yo, I know that I'm going to have to deal with certain things. What are the two things that's going to help me in these positions? And the thing is, just to add on that, I had to deal with myself. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I've I've I tapped in a, a a long time ago. From Miriam, we moved to Shakespeare Ave. Shakespeare, we had a good um, lady who was helping us finding a place. She worked for the shelter system. But one thing I learned about the shelter system: they only help you if you can help yourself. Mm. And so my mother was, um, she was able to help herself. She was able to sustain herself. And she was actively putting in the work to find a spot. And then after that, we moved to a private house. Things didn't go well over there, so we went back into the shelter system. And then from there, that's when I went to college. I did my first year um, of college in the shelters. You know, but I ain't gonna lie, my first year of college was my happiest years. Was my, was the best year, 2011. Was mm. the best year for me. We were so poor. We were so poor, but yet we were so happy to be with each other. Mm-hmm. We smiled more. My abs were popping. I was running ten miles and shit. But we knew that we could do it together as one. At the time, I hated my father, but with time, I started to understand. So, let's take a step back. So. You had a, you was living in the shelters like while you was going through your high school years through everything talking to girls, mm-hmm. being outside, going to the parties, you know, going to the mosque. All of this is all during like you were living in the shelter. You would never know. That's a fact. You would never know. So how did you deal with it? I know you say you stay positive and you you know you have family to lean on, but as an individual, as a black man, how what what how did you mentally deal with those situations? Sports, but intentional sports for me. Boxing was very huge for me. I didn't care about becoming a boxer. I needed the discipline. I studied from a very young age. I started studying players. I started studying Mike Tyson and solitude and being alone and. I gravitated so, towards certain books. When I read those books about Ben Carson, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, it just opened up my mind to like saying, all oh, these great men had isolation. All oh, these great men had um, hardships. And even though my father 
at the time wasn't a, the greatest influence in my life. I remember what he would say, once you know where you come from, you know where you're going. That's true. So I started studying Bob Marley. And um, I, I remember watching uh, basketball, football growing up, and I was very um, into watching the highlights. Like when LeBron, um, when when uh, Cleveland Cavaliers was playing uh, Orlando Magic, there was 1.3 seconds I'm left in the clock, and he threw Turkaloos on LeBron. Mo Williams inbound the wall. LeBron push over, push off. Um, Hedo and it shoots the three. Everybody's in the stadium like, yo, is this is gonna go in? And I st and I remember watching it, and I wanted to study more of LeBron. I wanted to study the Mamba mentality. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really like Kobe, but the Mamba mentality was something that I wanted to know. So all these things helped me cope and. Being around different individuals, having conversations, just experiencing mm. life. I think allowing myself to be lost. That's real. Allowing myself to be lost. Allowing myself to make mistakes. I was hard on myself for many times because I couldn't afford to make any mistakes on the That's first generation. Fact. That's a fact. But at some point, it was just walking into my awakening. And when my mother said to me one day before, when I was trying to go to Bus State, and I was trying to, I was kind of hesitant. She said, leave. She said, go. I know you want to go. She said, don't worry about us. We're going to be good. And then I said, damn, man. She said, I can't raise you. You're a man. You got to go figure it out. You got to go let the world beat you up a little. We're always going to be here. I said, damn, son. That's real shit. Yeah, like, you know, and um, I remember going away for college. I, we lived on, I lived on Castle Hill. Mm-hmm. And my father came that day, you know, to, to <laughs> They to always see, come just to see. To see me off. But you know what, though? Now, Cletus, I forgave him so much. Because as a man, I never knew what it was to fight depression as a mm. grown man. Or I never knew what it was to be an immigrant in a country where you know nothing. You don't know how to read and write. You drive cab. And then all of a sudden... The cab company say there's a new rule where people got to come in and recertify their license. So all of a sudden, you got to take a test. But you don't know how to read and write. Before, you didn't have to take a test. Now you do. So you fail every time. Your wife gives you money from time to time to go take the test again, and you come back home and you fail. What does that do to a man? Mm -hmm. It no, took me time to understand that. And when I told my father, he almost cried on the phone. He said, how do you know all of these things? I said, I just observe. I just watch. Mm -hmm. I know what it is to be a man. I know what it is to be with a woman and wanting to give her good results. Like, I did well. You know, you want to see her smile. It's not even about how she going to look in a rider with you. or It's just, it's a woman. As a man, what are you doing this for? Who do you do it for? These are the things that you, you think about. You stay in your purpose, but... Who's benefiting from your purpose? That's so far. So I saw my father break. So your father and your mother just, like, they split up, obviously, because they, they were unhappy. Or maybe it was he just didn't feel like he could make her happy more and he just couldn't handle it. Um, How did you deal with that? Like, I know you say you had a lot of milestones, but how did you really, like, I understand you understand his mentality, but I'm talking about that Bengali, then and there. How did you deal I with that? I don't think I dealt with it at the time. I numbed it. Mm. I ran. Uh, shoot, just to be real, pornography too. 
I, I got lost in that a little, trying to understand that. Like, is this what love is? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think at some point it became like uh, I'm not gonna say an addiction. It was more so like you wanted to watch it to get your mind off things, to understand you didn't understand life or um, alcohol. Like at the time, I didn't know why I was drinking. Dealing with that and in high school in itself, I numbed it. It was just like just straight up working out, straight up understanding that this is making me better. I quiet every emotion in me that. That, that 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 triggered me to think about my parents. I've always, and I'm 26 years old, I still kind of have this mindset. I operate in a way that my parents are dead. Mm. Like, if they're not here today, I can survive. It's like, oh my God, my whole world, no. I can survive. I had to quiet my mind. How did you do it? Because you know me, you my brother, so it's, we, we talk a lot, and and it's ironic, because I don't want to get off tangent, but it's ironic, like, people who really, like, the people you think really are my friends, they really not my friends. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird, like, there's things I'll call you about that I wouldn't call people that you probably see me with every other day with. I respect that. That's crazy to me. No, it's not, bro, it's not. You see, I, t- I keep telling you, once you take the will for what it is... Nothing is surprising. Nothing is crazy. Nothing is ever crazy. You you see, you attract your image. You attract your inner being as well. Like I said, you attract your image and you also attract your inner being. Your image might be those people you hang out with. Mm. Your inner being might be what we're doing right now. This is what feeds you. This is what makes your soul happy. Now, your image, that makes you happy too. But in a different spectrum. That's true. You like going to the club with them. You like sitting on on the couch, popping a bottle or two, being in that high, being in that moment. But you got to understand you can't get your satisfaction from that. That's one thing. That's that's just a little tinsy-winsy bit of anything. No, that's a fact. You know? And if that goes away, you got to be okay with that. Mm. How did I cope? Yeah, how did you silence your mind? Uh... Repetition, repetition. I ain't gonna lie, I read the Quran a lot. I read the Quran a lot and um, I just repeat certain surahs all the time. Mm -hmm. Or I kept on, I fed myself positivity. I said, Mm. everything's gonna be all right. Yeah. I kept, and I motivated everybody around me. Mm. What people, (coughs) what most people don't know is the more I motivate people around me, it's actually the most motivation I actually need myself. Mm hmm. But nobody feeds me that. Most people I've ever been around don't know how to motivate me. They don't. That's a fact. I've I've been around a lot of people, mm-hmm. but most people don't know how to motivate me. They don't know how to talk to me. They don't know how to tell me like, "Yo, golly, like get the fuck up, man. Like, pick yourself up, man. Like, like they don't dig deep for me." Mm-hmm. Because I feel like with that though, I've learned that too. Because I feel like my vibe, my aura, the things I bring to the table, a lot of people could never bring that to the table for me. It's like mm-hmm. how, why I keep pouring into somebody else's life, and I don't feel like they pouring into mine. And what I'm learning is more so like because that's not their place to. Like I simply put, like they weren't put in that position to do that. Because them, they, yeah, I think about it, a lot of people not even on that frequency. A lot of people haven't even taken the time to get through the level one. 
they're still just living through level one because they're happy they can win it. So with that, yeah, it's not for people to do. I've just come to terms with the fact that you just got to trust yourself. Like, you got to become who you want to attract. So if you want people that's going to motivate you, you got to become somebody that's going to be able to motivate the masses that that person in his season or in their season is going to want to be connected to you because you motivating them too. Like, you got to think about this way. Like, what in this world is beneficial that's not mutually beneficial? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if I do something that cons my heart, that's great. But you're doing that because it ben- it's benefiting you some way, somehow. You That's your character. But there's never, there's not a thing that if it's not mutually beneficial, it's self-serving. There's nothing. So that's what I'm coming to terms with, too. It's like, you got to find, you got to create that for yourself. You have to. You have to. You got, you, it's a, as a man, you'll never have Anything ideal What do you mean You'll always be building Even when you think you're there You're building You'll never be truly satisfied You're never satisfied And this It's not your job to be satisfied As a man You should be willing to please Consistently I don't know how Appropriate Inappropriate You get in your podcast Man this is talking cheap Podcast um, This is the world's Realest podcast When you When you were a woman mm-hmm. Right Most men don't please women Because they don't know What it is to please They don't know What it is to please the world If I take my time To motivate you Every day Knowing I need motivation I can please any woman Around me I know that it's deeper than It's deeper than me I know that I've engaged into her world with passion, with love. And even if she hurts me, I'm still passionate and I'm still loving. Everything I do in this world, it takes time because it's with passion, with love. That's why I could never have a whole stage Mm -hmm. because everything was done with passion and love. Even when I try to be a whole, passion and love. And understand in that because if eventually that passion and love is going to cultivate something, it's going to create something. It's going to create something. And and the thing is, is nothing is ever ideal for men who are in purpose or in creation. I knew my situation would never really be ideal. I knew that I operated best under chaos because all my life it was chaotic. It was moving from place to place, place to place, place to place. I'm sleeping in this little corner, sleeping in that little corner. I don't know what abundance really is yet. I'm still, I'm working towards it. I'm working towards being fly. I'm working towards driving a car that I want. You know, getting my desires, <laughs> not that us. No, it's, I'm, no, I'm, I'm laughing about it because it's real. It's like you're, you're working towards trying to create that stability. That yeah, for myself. With. Yeah, and it's hard because you, you've never had something stable. You've and always I had don't to know what that fuck that looks like. Now you want to have the conversation. Don't talk it cheap. Let's talk about it. I don't know what stability looks like. And all my life, I've been chasing something. I don't know what it looks like. Mm. So now, for the first time. I'm still, and I'm designing. Let me tell you something. I was at the Gucci store the other day, and I sat there. Not to buy Gucci. I had to pick something up. But I'm sitting there, right, and I see the rug on the floor. I see the high ceilings. I see the low chair I'm sitting at. I'm like, yo, I would like this for my crib. Mm. I like this setting. And it's like as I'm going through life, 
I'm seeing the different things I'd want in my stable home mm-hmm. or my stable mansion. Mm-hmm. How I'd want it to be. I wouldn't even know what to do if I had a mansion. Like, right? would, it would be a it would be a place because that I did events. You, you never had your mansion. That's true. You weren't raised in a mansion. That's true. So you go look at the closet like I thought I had clothes all my life, and they say, "Oh, this is your closet, sir." You're like, I don't even need this big ass space it, for no right? closet. But over time, you get you get used to it. I knew I started to like. I knew I, I acknowledged that I liked high ceilings when I was in Africa. Mm-hmm. I went out with my cousins, and we went to go see his crib. And I looked up and I said, "I really like high ceilings. Like this makes me happy right now. Like I'm really staying at this high ceiling right now. Like, <laughs> this shit is fire, son. Like I feel like I can breathe. You know why though?" Because you're you're used to being in small spaces and high ceilings make the room feel bigger. Oh, look at that! I didn't even know that. That's that's really the that's 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 the logic behind high ceilings is to make the room feel bigger because it's a smaller room. High ceilings, the way you position your stuff, yeah. So that's probably what it is. You probably still want to be in small spaces, but you don't want to feel claustrophobic. I, I'm not even gonna lie to you, bro. I don't want to be in small spaces anymore. Mm. I feel like now that I think more abundantly. I'm uncomfortable in a lot of spaces. My light shines too bright mm. in certain spaces. I move different. I make people uncomfortable. Is that your fault though? And not my fault. Oh, I'm good on that. Because I, I feel I like that's what you're my, supposed I, to I do. I stopped beating myself up a long time ago. Like, oh my God, let me dumb myself down a little. No, maybe I'm being too masculine. Maybe I'm being too, maybe I'm saying this too wrong. No. Say what you say. Mean what you mean. Keep it pushing. They're not comfortable. Life goes on. You find your crowd. Of course. You know what I mean. That's where it's, I'm. You, you, Cletus. You're in this space because you did create. Be your own person. Who the fuck wakes up in the morning and say, Cletus ENT? You did. <laughs> I mean, niggas. Yeah. Uh huh. Niggas you, do shit like that. No, you bet on yourself. I mean, who else about supposed well, to bet Jay-Z on? Jay Z said, "Rock Nation." Yeah. Meek Mill said Gene Chasers. Rick Ross said Maybach. Yeah. You said Cletus. So this ride that you're about to be on, it's about to be feel like impossible. Impossible. But, but guess what? At some point, you're going to be one of those people that they're going to be like, Cletus did it. Why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. You know? So like you created your own lane. When there was no lane, when you knew that, okay, I don't have the ability to really right now work with a group of people. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Like, I don't have the ability to work with y'all. Like, I'm on a time that I move so alone that it might make you guys feel uncomfortable. I'm still coping with shit. That's real manly to me. I'm still coping with shit. Like, it's like you meet a girl, right? And she wants to take you seriously. I'm still coping with shit. That's a real nigga. Now, if you are willing to work through those things together, or, you know what? Let me work through that shit by myself. If you still want to be around, which probably you won't, because you're going to find something else, then okay. If not, you know what I mean? Like, life goes on. I'm still coping with shit. And you were able to create your own lane. A lot of people might look down on you like, who the fuck this motherfucker think he is? People I may know. Or I'm asked why I'm I still cool with you. But I'm too deep to just 
view people on the surface. I, when I look at a human being, I strip them away from everything. Your car, your clothes, your jewelry, and I just see you naked. No homo. I don't want guys walking around me thinking that I'm out here. You try to look I'm at them just, naked with your no, eyes. I'm trying to I'm talk like, to you as a human to human. Of course. Skin to skin. Let's chop it up. Who are you? Real raw, uncooked. You know, who are you? Like, even when I see women, I, it, I'm not going to say that because I got to be politically correct. Nah, we don't believe in that here. Talk but your shit, bro. This is talking to your podcast, like I, see, I see a woman and I take away all the makeup. I take away all that. All the, all the um, shallow shit she got on, right? And where is this person? What does she want to know? What does she want from me? And why are you attracted to me? I'm still a young kid from the Bronx trying to make it. Trying to figure this shit out. That's I, why I, I don't feel bad anymore when people come my way and they leave. I'm still trying to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm not. It's not like I'm not waking up every morning trying to go to work. Trying to contemplate what's next, what's the next moves, how do I tend to my family emotionally while I'm not in the best financial place I'd like to be. Yeah, or or even try to take credit for things that you want to create. Like I'm not even do that because, like for example, like I know you got vision over money right now, right? Mm-hmm. And vision over money for people who don't know is like a six year old, maybe. Seven. I I heard about That's it. Crazy. Because I remember when you and TJ all staying together, I seen all the poster boards of you writing information. I got a couple of pictures on my phone. Oh, <laughs> word? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that. I'm weird like that. Um, where did vision over money come from? Uh, depression. Okay. A lot of depression. A lot of a place, a mental place where I was like, there has to be, there has to be more to life than than just us waking up every morning. Um, a place where I was standing on a college campus and I watched everybody just go from location to location. And I'm like, yo, you motherfuckers is robots. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, like these are, Vision Over Money came from a place of not knowing who I was in a relationship, a toxic relationship. Mm. You know, um, but even through that toxic relationship, so much beauty came out of it. So much beauty came out of it. I can't see and say the person was toxic towards me. It was a two-party situation. Both being toxic, both creating so much greatness. Right? And I didn't know the impact vision over money was gonna have on, on other people. It was a selfish thing for myself to feed myself. I needed to feed myself. I need to get motivated on something. I need to believe in something. And I believe that vision over money was something to, to keep me going, to keep me believing. And I'm I'm currently rereading a book called Ways of the Superior Man, where in one chapter it talks about if a man starts something, he's entitled to finish it. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I don't speak on vision over money anymore as much, it's because it's done. It's it's something I created for the time being. On to the next. I have to be okay with the next. If I resurrect it at some point, I do. If I don't, I don't. You remember Vision of Money for what it was, though. You can go back on that YouTube page and see me speak and keep it pushing. Or you can just currently listen to my podcast. Shout out to BG Speaks, Speaks. man. I'm on Apple and Spotify. You know you were one of the people that inspired me to really like put it out? 
Because you, you know Like a lot of these episodes Like a year or two years old Yeah So You were one of the people That inspired me To really put it out I'm like yo If Bengali's putting out podcasts And this ain't even His thing thing Like You do a lot of other things Like I know you for Vision of money I know you for The work you do with the children I know you for The work you do Within your community I know you for The relationships you had Like You said it You were supposed to get Your masters That Not in communication You know what I'm saying Like that's not even his thing, but he's like he's consistently dropping stuff, and he, and you would just talk to yourself. You wouldn't <laughs> even talk to nobody else. So I'm like, yo, if Bengali is willing to do this, he's talking crazy. Though, to that's talk to like, yourself? bro, because you no, no, no. It's not that it's is 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 hard to talk to yourself, but to do it in the way that you do it is very difficult because it's like me speaking about myself about something for thirty minutes. Like like in the solid content That's not easy bro Like I've done it But that's not easy Because you have to be able to Continue to Speak through your mind frame It's not easy bro That is a talent Cause I'm sitting here like Yo Bengali's putting on a podcast 30 <laughs> minutes 15 minutes And him just talking to himself And talking to other people By himself And it's a certain kind of quality And he's getting it done you have over 150 episodes Different and, and you've been doing this shit for years What the fuck are you waiting on? What were you waiting on? Um, I didn't feel like people was gonna appreciate it That's really what it was I feel like at the time It just didn't feel like people really appreciated it Appreciate what I brought to the table And I just like I wanna hold on to it until People really care to listen like I just wanna hold on to it to like, Cause even the people on it It's not by accident that everybody's on it is on it you know what I'm saying the, the concepts The conversations That's happened this, I talk to a lot of people I work in a store all day I talk to millions of Thousands of thousands of people Why are these the people That he decided to have These conversations with Of all these people There's billions of people on earth I meet a lot of people Bro I know by, I, I know By myself In my head I could I, could, I know like at least Eight to ten thousand women By themselves Just women Like I know them Personally Women Not niggas Women now, like, and I know a lot of dudes. I know ten thousand women. That's boggling. And it's like, okay, out of those ten thousand women, sixty, maybe forty of them on this podcast right now. And we really just talking. Why them? You know what I'm saying? They have something to say, man. They have they something have to say. But you know, too, like. Mm. 150 episodes No my ass I, My black ass Would have put The first episode out I feel like uh, You can't wait For people to want To hear what you gotta say Nigga speak it mm -hmm. Speak that joint Somebody gonna listen I'm already in tune you know, Once you tapped in Only one person needs it You You've done your job mm -hmm. Me having this conversation With you right now You've done your job In my life like, if I don't ever speak to you again, I've gotten the best part of Cletus. I got him sitting here after sharing a meal and we having a conversation. In the Bronx. In the Bronx. No bubble. Island. No bubble. I came here doly. Doly. Out here. In the hood. I love the Bronx. And I appreciate you. I love the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to make my way to Staten Island to go to the store. I'm through. But I'm through. 
it says a lot about you. If I'm going today, I'm satisfied. I could you not. If I'm going today, I'm a satisfied man. Because I have this moment, and nobody else has this moment. It, if it, I was to die today, I did good. Mm-hmm. I did good on earth. I'm proud of myself. And you know why? Because your 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 great 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 grands they don't know who they who their great grandfather was. From his own mouth. And even if I don't have kids, my nephews and nieces will know me. I've done my job. I've gotten the blessings of my mother and my father. It's called Barika. Barika. Where we come from, it's called Barika Blessings. My parents have been divorced for how many years now? 14, 15 years? And I kid you not, till today, my father says, Always respect your mother because it's body got under her feet. Hmm. And in my head, I'm like, yo, y'all been divorced. Why you don't hate her? Because I, I, I do see my mom do certain things to my pops. And my pops do certain things to my mom that I could physically see. My mother was more so emotional, manipulation. But he's like, nah, it's your mother. It's a woman. Respect her no matter what. Even if your mother is a prostitute in the street, respect her. Even if she's selling drugs, respect her. I said, damn, son, that's deep, son. You still not, you're not married to this lady. I still love her. She gave me my kids. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, damn, son, I don't really know what to say anymore. But things like that just helped me, it helped me think, bro. I think um, things like that helped me critically think, critically perform in my mind, taking away the emotion out of things and implementing the logic like what are you emotionally feeling right now and what should you logically be feeling hmm. so when your father wasn't there who taught you how to be a man nobody nobody I, could teach me i started trying to chase um after certain organizations on campus and trying to be down with these people because i was looking for men i was looking for men i was looking for guidance i needed it that's how I gravitated towards different people. I gravitated towards people that were great, gravitated towards people that were bad. Because I didn't know what manhood looked like. I heard about it. I saw it very briefly when I was younger. But during that time period, it was kind of hard to really identify that. So me, I'm teaching myself how to be a man right now. Mm-hmm. At 26 years old. I'm teaching myself. No, that's a fact. I'm teaching myself how to care for family. I'm teaching myself how to be around family, take care of family, and still have bills. I'm teaching myself these things. I've given my last. I'm teaching myself how to consistently go to work even when I'm sick. I'm teaching myself how to communicate or taking feedback from people. Mm-hmm. And when I got closer to my father and I forgave him for all the things and I forgave myself, Manhood increased even more. Hmm. It increased even more because, remember, I operate like my parents are dead. But most importantly, I operate like my father's dead. Who's the head of the throne? Who got to take care of the family? Women, a woman in my family can make way more than a man. But the man is always the head and never going to change. I know a lot of people might not believe in that, but... That's just how our family dynamic is built, you know, where we have that level of respect for each other. Men, men respect women where we come from, mm-hmm. heavy. 
Don't let it fool you to say that, oh, look at these Africans. They mad, naive, and ignorant. No, they're not. They just know how to change the command works. Mm-hmm. When one knows how to change the command works, <laughs> the ship always functions. There's, a, there's an order to everything. There's an order to everything. Universal law. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a lot of people are ready for that. They're though. not. I mean, but we're going to talk about it, though. We can talk about it. Uh, there's this, there's these things that that that's already here on Earth, um, and there's laws that one must follow in order to be successful. And you can gain success from from things you think will get you places. Mm-hmm. It's like there's the rod of the devil and there's the rod of God. The ride of the devil is spicy. It looks good. You kind of get there faster. It's fast food. The ride, the ride of God is very organic. Takes time. Mm-hmm. Takes time. But it's good for your body, though. And it's pretty expensive. <laughs> everything got a cost to it. Yeah, everything got a cost to it. Devil, you get like like you get like a three for one, two for one, you know, <laughs> special. You go through that route. You like I'm gonna eat this every day and I'm good. No, you're not. Then next thing you know, you got like your your weight. You you getting too big. You know things are happening, but the route of God is like organic. You know it takes time for you to progress, but when you progress, it lasts. You know you've been taking it real slow in the gym. Mm-hmm. You've been taking it. You're not rushing it. You're not even giving two hours of bullshit. You're giving forty five minutes of consistency, and you know what you're putting into your body after that. You know when to fast, when to feed your body certain things. You know who to feed into your life. You think you sitting here over here talking about friends, and I ain't talk to these people because you're on the route of God. I ain't talking about no church, no mosque. I'm talking about divine timing. When you're on the right universal path, you can't entertain certain things. You can't be around certain things, certain people. The universe won't allow it. The universe respects his diet. You don't because you're still working on your discipline. But the universe already know what's good. Mm-hmm. But they say, you know what? We see high potential in this kid. We're going to take him. But the friends got to go. We don't need them on our path. It's crazy. Like I told you, brother, nothing is ever crazy. It happens when it's supposed to happen. And I don't know if people in your podcast know about your accident. Oh, yeah, no, they, I don't. No, nah, I don't. I don't think we really spoke about it. Yeah, I got into a car accident like last month. So that, right now, where we at? We in September twenty third, nine forty uh, p.m. Yeah, no, nah, I got into a car accident. I want to say around the fifth or sixth. It was right when I got back from Toronto. Right the day I got back from Toronto after dropping Scotty off in Brooklyn and I ran to do some stuff in the, for the store because I wasn't there all week. So I knew because I wasn't there all week, there's going to be things I needed to handle beforehand. And then I knew I was flying out that next day to go to Miami for a conference. I fell asleep behind the wheel. I just fell asleep. I was dozing off in Brooklyn for like 50 minutes. Traffic hot out. Haven't really slept after Carabana. Played mass for the first time. I was really whining with gal for 12 miles. That was madness. Madness. Um, didn't even know it. Crazy cardio. Um, came back. I just fell asleep. I was like six minutes from the house too. Like, Fell asleep in a brand new BMW that I just had gotten. Um, it was basically, It's basically a gift to the store. It's the store's car, but I'm the only one that drives. Oh, that's the same car? Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the car for the store. Oh, that's the car you got into accident. Right? Mm-hmm. That same BMW we driving around. It you didn't even notice there was a big scratch from the passenger side all the way up to the tire. That that same. I that. 
ran into a wall on the expressway, fell asleep during rush hour. All the cars out there fell asleep, ran into a wall, heard the heard the wall, cars spin around eight times. What? Smoke all around me. I'm like, damn, my insurance is clipped. Yo, that's the first day I said, I'm like, damn, it's clipped from my insurance. And then I was like, yo, who the hell did I hit? Came out. They're like, yo, you ain't hit nobody. You hit the wall. Like the there was like like from like where the suitcase is and back, it was like a row of four lanes of cars just blocked. Yo, you know that's so significant. What you said? You said what they said when you got at the car? You said you ain't hit nobody. You good. You hit the what? The wall. Think about your life. When you keep going and going and going, the universe has a way of just stopping you. Mm-hmm. You gonna hit the what? The hit wall. The wall, yeah. That's real. <laughs> it gotta like pause you real quick. I always say this: is is like I said, like God, you either gonna sit down or God's gonna find a way to make you mm-hmm. sit down. On the end, my language is say, "Long propose you dispose." Man has a plan, and God has another plan. Mm-hmm. Tell your plans, God go laughing. That's true. You're laughing like, who are you? Who do you think you are? You know, and so I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. Like, that's the thing that didn't sit well with me. Like, I think, like, when friends, right? Like, something, God forbid, something happens to, um, like, well, my bro, well, like, when my bro Dante, right? Like I said, rest in peace to my bro Dante Keith, bro. I love you, bro. You know that. Um, when he got into the car accident in, uh, in, uh, in Georgia, and, like, they said, like, his car flipped over seven times, and then his body, like, went through the windshield, and he died on impact with the ground or whatever. I found out because my other best friend, that's fr- like, our mutually best friend from another friend was the one that posted it. And I'm sitting here like, wow, that's crazy because he was on it. Like, he said that like, he got the information. As soon as he got the information, he dropped it on Facebook. As soon as he dropped it, I called him. He said he couldn't talk. I texted him, like, what? He's like, it's real. And then after that, I dropped it. And then after I dropped it, it just, you know, spread it a little bit more, too. But it was like, the fact that if that's your friend, you are just entombed with them. You you found that information. You got that information quick. And it spread with the people that are really supposed to know. It just it just sat weird with me that, like, the people that you probably would have gotten that information from, you couldn't, even, you would never know. You never would have known. If I didn't put it on Twitter, no one would have known. They would just be thinking, oh, Cleese is probably at a party or he always traveling. Some. Never would have known. If I didn't put it out, no one would have known. You would not have no sources. God forbid something happens to me and I don't put nothing out or it don't, the news don't put it out, y'all would never know. I be going to do shit all the time. Like, this whole year was hell. Hell. Like, like hell. Coming back home, I was sick right when I got my master's. First things first, I didn't get my diploma until, like, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, I remember. You. I graduated December 2018. We're about to be hit a year in like three months. At the end of the fourth quarter, that'll be a year since I got my master's. Why? They said I didn't do certain things. Uh, it's not important. Finally got it. Shout out to Dr. Morgfield. Thank you for that. Um, so I didn't get my diploma. So that's that's an issue in itself because I earned it. So that's one. Then on top of that, I got dumb sick when I first came back because I was trying to do too much. I was trying uh, every brunch. I was at four brunches on Sunday. I was at this past Sunday. Not like when I first got back in December. I was like all these parties, I all these brunches, me. all that. Because you know I just got back and I'm supposed to get back in the scene. Like people was like, "Oh, you back? Oh yeah, it's time to get money." You trying to feed into the crowd? I was trying to help the culture move forward because I and I know New York is not lit no more right now. It's not. It don't feel the same. But that's that's a different conversation. Um. 
So I had that. Then on top of that, um, the store. So we had the store. But I'm like, yo, I need a, I need money. Like, I've never been in a place that I didn't have my own source of income, consistent mm-hmm. source of income. Now I got a master's. I know I'm not making no 15 an hour. So I needed some kind of consistent money. So I got a job. I had two opportunities. One was to teach at, like, a junior high school on the other side of the island that's, like, with a bad junior high school. Like, what you kind of went through. And or work in my community in the projects as a prevention specialist and then get to teach at the like the alternative school like the last chance high school so i took that opportunity but the company i was working with is like low-key super racist and they were so disconnected from the things that the people really needed like they're getting a lot of money but they're not trying to help the people that really need to be helped like it's not like a selfless giving it's like a i'll give you this because it'll make us look good in this sense or i'll give you this but you know that's because we gave this other school that probably don't need as much support as these black students mm-hmm. or they need a, a level of support because they're white because they can resonate with them that we're going to give them more of this. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with that. Like I, I had, a, I really got fired because I was like, yo, I wasn't, I didn't, I felt uncomfortable writing young black children, young minority children up for having behaviors and traumas that they didn't understand why they're acting out for until they sat down with a real ass OG that's going to sit them down and like, yo, this is why you feel this way. And I can't have you doing this because you don't understand it yet, but everything you do has a consequence. You black young woman, that's two right there. <laughs> Straight up, you gotta be better. It's not, it's not, and I didn't want to, and I didn't want to have those conversations with them because I felt like I didn't want to condition them to think that way and be that way. Mm-hmm. But it was real. It was like, yo, I see your behavior. I see you crying. Like, you know, I don't think people understand how many times these kids broke down and cried in my arms. Mm-hmm. I don't think people understand how many times like their moms had to sit there and because their moms they don't want to speak with they're like I just want to talk to him again and they'll the whole family walk out and then after that they keep going venting crying you know how many times I see people when they get off the but they come to the store like my students like my older students they come to the store and like yo Mr. C I remember what you said when you woo 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 like <laughs> young young kids yo younger than me oh uh, yeah I got I'm, I got a kid I'm really trying to make things happen like bro you doing it you doing it? Just grind, stay humble, grind, trust God. That's it. You gonna be humble, all right. Grind, trust God. That's it. Cause at the, that's all they gonna really understand. I can't give them no blueprint to something they've never been before, but I also can't give them all this information that they don't need. You know what it is, bro. You know your situation. You you didn't fuck up, but you fucked up. So what you gonna do? You gonna cry about it? Nah. You gonna be humble, trust God, and grind. Cause that's all you have right now. Until you show yourself. Can you put down a shirt, by the way. Vision over money collab definitely gotta come soon. That's that's what you're doing. Hashtag put on a shirt. Shout out to my bro Eli from always working. But you know that. Um, so I was dealing with that. Then the whole events thing, wet and wild. That hurt. Yeah, that, that hurt. That hurt. That one really hurt. That one really hurt. And that's not even the fact that we was dealing with tenants that pulled a knife on my mom and oh. swung on my sister. Yeah, this is bro. This is all. This is my my year. And then you got to think about I can't travel like that. Because I got a whole store. I got a business. Like, the business is a family business. So, nigga, you part of the family, right? So, you better get to business. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? So, you got to think about the stuff I'm sacrificing. Then on top of that, I'm like, I'm people around me, a lot of these niggas fake getting money now. Because they all they have to do is worry about their job. They don't really have no real other real obligations to anybody. So, you got that shit going on. And then I'm back in my city, so I'm trying to is figure out. Now or then? No, then. Um, 
all the niggas figure money. Nah, it didn't bother me. It was just more so like I'm not an image guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't believe in having an image. I'm just Cletus. So I don't do shit for images. I don't care. Like I'm not a fake lit person. I really am a real lit person. Like I don't fake win. I re- I win every day. Even when I lose, I win. Like it's bad. People must hate me. I'd hate me too. Like always super positive, always in the good vibes, always in good energy, just living my life. Confident. Bro, I bro, I just if it's me or you, guess what? Bye bye to you. Like I don't have no other options. So I just grind different. It's just I'm just myself. I can't be nobody else. Every time I try to be somebody else, I just just nothing went my way. So I just I learned it from a young age, bro. I wasn't tall enough to be Jordan. I can't ball. I, I didn't have ball like him. I wasn't tall like him. I didn't have the body type. My feet are flat, so I could run, but my ankles be swollen later. But I'll still give you the best of the moments, though. I'll show you something, and you can only hope, and you can only imagine what the potential's like. But I'm still showing up. I'm not the smartest kid in the class, but I'm smart as hell because I don't care to learn things that don't help me have conversations to help people. Like, I couldn't do science. Like, I, I, I'm going to say I, I couldn't, but I didn't care to do it. It did nothing to me. It did oh, not no, feed my spirit. That school, not studying science. Bro, it did nothing for me. It's like, what can I really like, bro? Me, me, and you have. We can't have no real ass nigga conversation about atoms. <laughs> like that shit's not gonna help you grow as a person. I'm talking about like things that really matter. Like I wanted to really be able to go and speak. I wanted to get paid for being who I am. That's it. That was the always the goal. And if you're 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 a young teenager going into college, listening to this, we do support STEM. Of course, we need them, but I also I also support niggas who need to be themselves and, and work through their trauma and love themselves and understand how to speak to people. Like you could be the biggest scientist in the world, but if you can't communicate what you just did, doesn't matter. I, I'm a genius. I know I'm a genius. You're a genius. You are a modern day revolutionary in the Bronx, and people and in, in your and you're in the Bronx, just sitting here chilling. You are like a genius. You are far beyond your years. Cause nobody like you're you're a Black Panther like you're the newer form of what a Black Panther would look like. I never see that though. Cause people are not telling you. People don't see that for you. That's the issue. Who do you you could probably I know since I've been here so many people have been calling your phone, texting your phone, checking your phone. We both every time, but who really like you said who pours into you? Niggas don't tell you. That's why. You just think that you're just doing what you're supposed to do to survive, not knowing that your calling in your life is way bigger than what what people tell you. Because people ain't... It's like when you have parents that groom their kids to be in the league, or groom their kids to be athletes, because their parents are telling them, like, yo, this is what you can be. This is who you can be. But I could be a great basketball player, but no one ever told me. I could be a great businessman, no one ever told me. I could be, I could be a great teacher, a great singer. If no one tells me I'm great, I wouldn't know. Who tells the guy who's the guy that he's great without it being some kind of underhanded shade towards his greatness or bitterness or some kind of like resentment for him going through a process? Yo, bro, all we are, all we doing is going through our process. We're not trying to shit on niggas. We're not trying. We just doing what we need to do to become the best people we need to be for everybody and everything. And nobody's going to tell you because they want to humble you. They don't want you to be gassed. It's, it's just a weird, it's a weird space, bro. It's a weird space, bro. Like nigga, like I said, niggas was going through a lot this year, bro. Like I'm in my, I have a, I have a two bedroom basement apartment. I have since I've been home, it's probably been like maybe one, maybe two girls that's actually really slept over 
like came to see me to just link with me. I've not caught a kill in my house. I swear, two bedroom, own bathroom, hot water. And you live with your mom? My my people's live. They got it's a house. They they do what they do. I do what I do. To this day, never not nothing touch nobody. It's busy, grinding. Try to make things happen, bro. Shit, not as sweet. you can see, as you can hear, ladies, your man Cleus over here is ready to get married. Oh yeah, I was saying I want kids, right? He wants a child. Shooting up the class, man. I'm shooting the block up, man. I always wanted a son, <laughs> man, but I want a daughter. Uh, you know why? You know why? I'm gonna tell you why. It's weird as hell because I'm like, yo, I don't, I, I don't know what I want. Whatever God give me, you gonna give me, but. I feel like of late I've been getting like a lot of like daughter vibes because one I have mad women around me. Two, I understand women. Like I understand their perspective, how they feel about things. I actually communicate with them. I speak to them. And I feel like with a young woman, what she really needs is a real dude that's just gonna be solid enough to just talk to her. Listen to her. That's it. What's wrong? Talk to me, express yourself. I value how you feel. Like, what's up? What's wrong? Don't don't hide it. It's gonna kill you. What's up? Talk to me. And um, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I, granted, I'm not doing her hair and shit. I can't do none of that. That's not my specialty. I wouldn't waste my energy trying to make that happen for her. But she will have her hair done. Her nails will be nice. She will be respected. That's it. <laughs> that's it. She'll be provided for. She will understand where she stands. I'm not gonna have her looking stupid. You know what I mean? Like she gonna be solid, and that's what I mean, my mom raised me. My mom raised me, and my sister just reinforced all everything I needed to know from my mother. That's why I be really shit. Not like I don't even do it on purpose. I really be shitting on women. Like I really be shitting on them, and I don't even do it on purpose. It's just I just know that <laughs> the things that you think you bring to the table has no merit in my family, and it only hurts you. It wouldn't even benefit the both of us. It'll make me look bad for bringing you home, and it'll make you feel bad because you won't be accepted. And it's not because you're a bad person, but it's like what we got going on is not just for anybody to just be a part of. So that's where I'm at right now. It's been a crazy year, bro. Like I needed, <laughs> I needed Wet and Wild Three like everybody else did. I needed that escape for this one weekend. I need. I got. I have people fly from eight or nine different states. Drive over 16 hours. Fly at a different airport. Like, spend lots of money. Like, and I had a great partner. Khalil's dope. Trust me. Khalil adds hype to everything. I love it. Yo, I, you don't understand. You think I want to wake up and find out my venue, not my venue no more? And that's not even my job. My job was never to handle a venue, bro. Mm. My job simple. You give me what I need, I'll show you the world. That's it. I ask or I don't even ask. I just be finding like, like, oh, we got this. All right, cool. Boom. You give me what you show me what the product you show me what my venue looks like and I'll give you the best for that venue. Mm. With what I can do with what I like, bro, and I've always done that. So it's like, that's it. We thought that like the pool and the space we had fits twelve hundred people. We promoted and handled the event and marketing and and invested in it for twelve hundred people. <laughs> So when we did 600, 700 pre-sales, that was nothing. We knew that. Mm. We we were working to make sure we could fit 1,200 people. 
So to wake up then to find out that that's not your reality anymore, that doesn't sit well with you, especially when you were playing it. Like, people don't understand. Like, I feel like being mentally tired is way more, like, fatiguing than being physically tired. People get tired after running a mile, and that's, oh, I'm tired. The next thing you know, they still doing stuff. Being mentally tired and drained, bro, it just causes you to shut down. It does. It does. I learned that about bipolar people. They go up and they go down, and they say when they go down, like bipolar disorder, when they go down, it's like it really affects them. Like, they break. When they're up, they're like, this is high. They can do anything. You know, they go on shopping sprees and just spend money and just do dumb shit. But then when they're low, it's like zero to a hundred. And so I could only imagine the regular human mind, right? I mean, we all have a mind, but if you have a disorder, you have a disorder. The regular human functioning mind, imagine if you work it at the best capacity, at the maximum capacity, and then you break. And then the engine overheats. And you got everybody who don't understand, like, Yo, why Why they ain't let us in? Mind you, they know the story. They know what happened. But they still want to be in the crowd or complaining. They don't be like, oh, yo, Cleta, that ain't your fault, man. We know you couldn't control that part. You're a young black man trying to throw an event in the white-ass community. We understand. <laughs> man. You took all the logistics, all the numbers you want. You a young black man trying to throw a party in LA. Cops definitely got the signal. Well, boop, boop. <laughs> they were at every spot, bro. Okay. That shit was crazy. The, but I will say shout out to a couple people. Like a lot of people, what I learned was I learned a couple things. One, I didn't know my name really held weight. I never knew that. Like I knew I could do some things, but it's always been like in a community that I've kind of cultivated to be a certain type of way. You know what I'm saying? I've never just like, oh yeah, you know, yo, get clear. like I've never gotten that support. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never, from my inner core, nothing. Like, it always was, oh, yeah, but I don't know because, oh, yeah, but you know how that can go because it's never been like, oh, yo, yeah. Like, people really, I didn't know people really was fucking with the brand like that. Bro, my following don't show it. Because 7K, it's 7K organic, but it's not like, when I, one day I actually went through my phone because you could do this thing on Instagram that you could uh, find people by contact. No, there was like a good like 6,000 people I didn't even know knew. Like I, I had their number in my phone. I'm like, yo, who are these people? Why are they number in my phone? Oh, wow, I haven't seen them so long. Not following me. Not supporting nothing I do. Probably see the picture, just scroll past. Hey, bro, a lot of people. Like those people alone could sell out like wet and wild. Don't even know. So it's like, bro, I never knew. That's the first thing I found out. They're like, yo, bro, you know why? Because you, your name. Like when we when people hear your name, they see quality. Like they they don't expect things to get shut down. You've done this like mad times. Like you, they someone said Cletus with a pool is undefeated. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first party you threw with the pool drink in Buffalo. I heard it was stupid. I, I didn't go, but I heard it was stupid. Like somebody left and came back and said, "Yo, I had fun." Like yo, bro, golly, I didn't know. No, I had fun. Like, people enjoyed the experience. I mean, people flying into the pool, they drinking, they, they enjoying, they dancing. They, it's the energy. 
Like It was cleanest You know And I did, did send you the shit I know I did Cause I, I sent it only to like The people I wanted to really be there Yeah No was, I wasn't going through my dark times mm. I just had to enjoy from um, From a distance And I had to be okay with enjoying things from a distance I had, to be, I had to be I saw everything on social media hmm. it, was in, it was fun And I love hearing people But I just I wasn't in the mental space To party with people I'm more in the mental space Now to party I be going to the club and shit Like man I be lit Like Saturday I was in the club Like you know And I was enjoying myself Smoking my hookah Minding my business Drinking water and all that hmm. You know Like I'm more in the mental space To do it I feel more free Wait. Back in school, I wasn't free. I was caged. Why? How, why'd you feel that way? It was a bad relationship, man. Are you talking about what, who I think you're talking about? Yeah. Really? It was that bad? At some point, it was mentally draining. I can see it. Yeah, it took a lot out of me. I don't know how she feels, but... Why'd you do it? Because that's all I knew. That's all I knew is to take care of people. I don't know what it was to take care of myself. You know, especially when you were with somebody for a long period of time, you, you know, you want the best for them just as much as you would think that they want the best for you. Mm -hmm. But then you end up hurting each other. It's like every relationship has an expiration date. Some for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Some you got to know when to just cut the cut. Cut the Like, yo, and I didn't know at the time when to, why they have the guts to. Mm -hmm. For the sake of love. Do you feel like that was one of the reasons why you're kind of burning like a vision over money? Because it, it has so much association Sheesh. to... Because I know you kind of mentioned, you hinted at it, but I'm saying that it now, like, is vision over money, was that supposed to be a thing that y'all wanted to create for each other or whatever? Or It was, a, I think vision over money was deep, it was deeper than that. It was more so something to help me cope throughout that time period. Mm-hmm. While I was going through that, you don't gotta go through that no more. I don't gotta go through that no more. So you don't even rem- thinking about it. Kind of just takes you back there, and you don't. Care. No, it doesn't. It doesn't take me back anywhere. And even if I think about it, I'm actually okay. I've settled. Like, like yo, I enjoyed my time. I learned a lot about myself. I'm not gonna sit here and lie like I did and learn about myself. I learned a lot. Like you know, this slime, slime, slime things to shorty, shorty this slime things to me, and we keep it pushing. It's life. Like, you can't look back at your past and be like, yo, man, I love them shelter nights. I love them nights where um, I was a shorty and we were going back and forth. Like, I appreciate that because it teaches me more about myself. It teaches me more. I don't want a woman to talk to me a certain way. And I wouldn't want her to um, want me to talk to her a certain way either. Mm-hmm. You feel me? It got real. It got real toxic. It got real bad. You know, boundaries were were violated and stuff. So, personal spaces were violated. So now, I just you know try to work through it, work out of it, of certain deficit mindsets mm-hmm. of getting to know myself around women and stuff <laughs> like that. So, but yeah, vision over money was saying that was created during that time period. But now more than ever, it's like I've internalized vision over money. I've internalized it. It's in me. I'm visionary over money. The money gonna come regardless. It's gonna come regardless. Regardless, it's gonna come. Hmm. Yeah, man. What was it like meeting your grandmother or going to see your grandmother when you went to Africa? Uh, her grave? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
it helped me let go of a lot of things. Hmm. Any any type of anger that I had in me, any type of um, questions that I had, it just helped me release. Like, you know, my grandmother was a woman. She was so humble. She was so full of humility. She was a woman that was willing to sacrifice her lives for people. Uh, she prayed a lot, you know? And um, I was the last person that she wanted to, 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 to see before she died. And she didn't. So it humbled me. It humbled me a lot to see her grave and feel it and touch it and be around my family. Like, just made me, like, come over here, motherfucker. Come, let me love you out real quick. You know, that's what she wanted. She wanted her grandkids to be together, and she got that. She got all her grandkids together. She may not be here physically to see us, but she saw us spiritually. You know, and um, it was refreshing. It made me more grounded. It made me more respected. You know, you went, you took a plane just to come see your mother's, your grandmother's um, burial site. You, you were, you were there. You touched the feet of your elders. You were, you, you searched for their blessings. It's been fourteen years. I didn't go back to Africa, and I go back, and it feels like I was there yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, it's facts. I want to go back in December, but I don't think I'm gonna do it this December. But that's a fact. Um, hmm. Is there anything else you learned during your time in Africa? Hmm? Anything else you learned during your time in Africa? Um, fam, one family is everything. Two Africans will try to get you married off real quick. <laughs> My uncles are saying, "Yo, you, we can get your wife in two days." <laughs> nah, that's clip. Uh, he gave me a whole math behind it too. Where what's the he math? You get the ma- You get the wife. You don't have to bring it to America. You don't have to bring it to America at all. Um. You come back every six months, you get her pregnant, and then you leave. That's it. So what does it benefit her? There's no benefit. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh, man. What, what, what benefit? What benefit are you looking for? Nah, I mean, you say what benefit am I looking you know, for? I don't know. I'm a lover. I'm a lover boy, you know, man. For them, they say... You know, go get you one back home, then come here, get you a little one over here. Then if you want to go to Jamaica, go to Jamaica, go get another one. You know, be happy wherever you go. Mm. Did I spark it? Did I hit something over there? Nah, I get it. I don't think that, like I said, there's an episode we're going to put out soon called The More to Marry It with one of my bros from Ron Rush. You actually would like him a lot. Y'all have a very, y'all would be good friends. This cap a dude, just very solid, younger than you. Very solid, very very in tune, you know. Um, got a pa- about a Black Panther tattoo on his arm. Like just a solid dude, just working cyber technology. So you know he's onto something. Uh, we don't, you know, he's just ain't from Chicago. Mm. Shout out to Gun Gang. Shout out to Gun Club. They know the fucking vibes, man. Um, but yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. I think y'all would be really, really on the same type of time. He he has an episode called The Morning Maria. He says that he believes that black men. 
should be able to be polygamous. Like in their original state in Africa, especially like we were polygamous. We never have been monogamous. That's a European concept or construct created to control us. That was never a thing black men did. That's a conversation for another time. The more the merrier. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you invite me. To uh, that. Already you've been recorded. It's a year old. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to probably come out like the next two or three weeks. Okay. I mean, been on it for a minute. I mean, we're going to talk about that. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the people, man? Anything? That I is- feel like this is not going to be my last time on this. Can't be. You know? I think right now it's just a warm-up. I'd love to be on your podcast some more. I want to get on yours. It soon come. Mm-hmm. It soon come. <laughs> It's going to come. Um, make sure y'all follow me, uh, BG Speaks, on Apple Music and also on Spotify. You know, subscribe, subscribe. I'm going on episode 12 soon. Wow, look at that. That's a blessing. We're growing in the game. Mm. Mm. But thank you for having me, Cleo. No, no, bro. You know, I appreciate you. I, I, I like, I'm glad I came out to the Bronx, man. I was, I was doing a lot of running around, but I'm like, I got to get to the Bronx. How was the Oxtail? Oxtail was smacking. Okay, that smoothie. shit was right. Smoothie was smacking. Shout out to oh, Green Garden, uh, Fresh. That's it. That's it. Green, Green Garden, Garden right there. Fresh juices. My yeah. man Vaughn. Shout out to Vaughn. Man. Me and him definitely got, I got to get him on the pod. I got to get him on the pod. You love him. Man, what? Oh, yeah. We got to get him on the pod. It'll be over for him. You'll love him. One day you could come back here and um, set up shop at his shop. We could do same. That'll be fire. All I want to do is just connect people to bright minds. You don't even got to pay me. I just want to see y'all flourish <laughs> and come to y'all cribs and just go into y'all fridge. <laughs> you know? That's a good mentality. That's basically what the whole concept of talking cheap really at, at this baseline level is. These oh, are my friends. Yeah, you got to think about the people I got on these podcasts. They're not regular people. I mean, they are regular people, but like when you sit and you really listen to their stories or who they are, bro, these are not ordinary people. Like my bro Chris went through Raising children that was not his. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you told me about that. that one <laughs> but he still laughs it up. We were supposed to go get a lobster for endless endless shrimp the other day. Just calm, regular. You still got those? Yes, sir. And then How like much? I think it's like twelve nine nine. I don't know. Why did I take somebody? You know what I'm saying? Endless shrimp, bro. Go down, right? And then uh, who else? Who else? My two little cousins, mine and private. They mom used to take when my mom, they, my mom and their mom. We're like classmates in college. My mom used to like walk like miles in with like with my sister and I in a broken stroller <laughs> to take us to school. Like anybody from Staten Island, that's like walk- you just know how to make it places without Bro, nothing. <laughs> just to make shit shake. It's like walking from like if you from all right. I'm gonna break it down in different perspectives. If you from Buffalo, it's like going from like Main Street, like right by the hospital or Main Street near like UB South, and deciding to walk to Buff State. That's bitch. He was doing that with a broken stroller and, and another what about, child. What about those in Louisiana? Louisiana is like walking from Grambling. So, like, walking from Grambling to Ruston. Like, walking from Louisiana Tech and Ruston to Grambling State University. It takes like three and a half hours. I did it before. I've done it before. I was that drunk in dress shoes. Hold on. You talking about Main Street? Every th- be South Campus? No, 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 no. Like, Main Street. Like, they have a Main Street downtown. Oh, you talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, South Campus. When Buffalo, yeah, it's like walking from South Campus, like walking through Delaware, walking through past Madai, walk all the way through the bus state. 
That's what it would be like Walking down Amherst And, and how long your mom would do this for? Well, she did this for a minute She did this for a really long minute Until she really learned the bus system oh, She's yeah, done it for a minute that woman And you be grinding Yeah that woman And she humble <laughs> She's still mad nice your pops around? He, he alive He cool I mean he got Like you said He got his own traumas I can't be like him Like I, I love and respect him In his own right But I couldn't be like Are they still together? No. Nah. They haven't been together since I was in, like, going into high school. I think, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> bro, the reason I'm the way I am and I think I'm going to end it all is just because I had a lot of great male role models around me. Like, I watch people a lot. Like, the commu- I mean, I just talk my shit to clean up a lot of it, but I, before I even talk my shit, I was been watching you. So when I say what I say, I know what's, I know what's going to come about with it. Because I, 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 I know who I'm dealing with. I ain't just saying things just to say it. I know who I'm dealing with. You've been here, done that. You feel me? So I have like mad, really great male romance, and I have a lot of male friends that we raised each other, or I try to raise myself. I try to raise them and raise myself. A lot of people I know a lot about a lot of men, bro. A lot of women too. I just, I just trust God, bro. Yeah, mind my business. Mind my business. Y'all think I be talking a lot? I really don't be saying nothing at all. I know that feeling. When you start to look back and you realize, like, I really don't be saying nothing. Like, I really just be ch- chilling, minding my own. And they think I'm doing the most. And I'm not even looking at another person's life. Like, now that I'm, I'm off social media, it's like, I'm just looking at my life, so. <sighs> Man, thank you guys for tuning in to Talk Ain't Cheap. Uh, yeah, I got to go do, like, a, I got like two more episodes to get out the way. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this next one out the way, but I should. Um... Thank you again, BG, bro. You know, I love you in my heart. I'm glad you're okay. You already know, brother. Of course. I'm still alive. I'm here. Shit, that's all that matters. You still got lungs in your... And your, you got air... You got breath in your lungs and your eyes open. Yeah, I got CMOS too. And you had CMOS. That yeah, shit definitely, yeah. Consistent sex. Man, finding good consistent sex that don't come with toxic behaviors is rare. You're not going to get it. If you, Like you said, like, bro, you're a vibe. The sex is just a plus for her. Oh, the more the merrier soon comes. Soon comes, soon comes. Y'all tuning in talking cheap, and y'all know it's not that deep. It's a vibe.